What's up, y'all? Tanner Demling back here with another edition of the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast, continuing our special NCAA preview series. And continuing today with the Big East and the Big Ten, our ACC and America East preview podcast came out earlier this week. You can go check that out. Um, same place you are listening to this. Get everything out of the way first here. You can find us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket. It's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. My personal at Tanner underscore Demling. LacrosseBucket.com where it's always lacrosse season. Getting into these two conferences now, and remember, just like the last episode, if you listened to that one, uh, the way that we're going to do this is looking at what transpired in that conference last season, and then taking a look at, um, not necessarily predictions, but projections of 2020. So let's get into it here, starting with the Big East. Now, last year and over the past couple years, the Big East has been kind of the team to wreck the NCAA tournament. Um, Georgetown won the Big East Championship for the second year in a row last year. Denver missed out on the NCAA tournament for the first time in, I can't remember exactly how long it was, but in, in since, I believe it's since Bill Tierney's first or second year there. And the Big East ultimately only got one bid, and that was that auto bid from Georgetown. Now, Georgetown did win the tournament, but Denver actually finished ahead in the conference with a 4-1 and one record overall. In the conference, 10-5 and five overall. Um, and I remember as Bill Tierney hinted, uh, mentioned Back in the fall, in, a, in an interview, he said, "You know, ten and five. You know, uh, an over five hundred record. You only lose five games. You win ten. You only lose one game in your conference. Um, but that was a down year for us. And, and you know, he kind of was joking, saying, you know, that, that, that that's a pretty good down year. Um, and you know.'" It's true that that is a pretty good down year for Denver. Um, Georgetown was three and two in conference, thirteen and five overall. They lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament to Yale after winning the Big East championship for the second year in a row, as I previously mentioned. Villanova ended as the third team in the conference. Uh, three and two. Uh, Providence was also three and two in the conference as well. 
Uh, Villanova had an eight and seven overall record. Providence seven and nine. Marquette was two and three in conference, six and eight overall. They had an extremely down year, and Joe Ampolo is no longer their head coach. As Andrew Stimmel takes over the reins at Marquette after a stint at Yale as the offensive coordinator. St. John's ended last in the conference yet again, 0-5. They have not won a conference game in quite some time. Um, they were 4-10, and but I will mention they did beat High Point, who beat Duke and Virginia, so that is a um, no, pretty good win for the Johnnies, despite not doing so hot. Um, so that is how the Big East ended up last season. The Big Ten ended up with, you guessed it, Penn State and Maryland up at the top. But... The Big Ten tournament brought about some surprises as Penn State beat Johns Hopkins in the championship game in overtime. 18-17, Penn State wins their first ever Big Ten conference championship. Penn State beat Rutgers in the semifinals. Johns Hopkins beat Maryland in the semifinals. Penn State, Hopkins, and Maryland all made the NCAA tournament. Rutgers and Michigan did not. In terms of the standings, however, Penn State was 5-0 and in conference play, 16-2 overall. Maryland, 3-2 in conference play, as was Johns Hopkins. Hop was 8-8. Eight and eight. And Maryland was two, excuse me, twelve and five overall. Rutgers was two and three in conference, and overall seven and eight. Ohio State and Michigan were both one and four. Ohio State went eight and four overall. Michigan went four and nine in their second year, I believe, under. Uh, Kevin Conley as the head coach. Starting off here in the Big East, when you look ahead this year, I think there's a clear, in this conference specifically, I think there's a clear um, divide between not necessarily the haves and the have-nots, but I clearly think there's a divide when it comes to the levels of this conference. So Denver and Georgetown are definitely the upper echelon. Um, you know, Providence, they lose a really good goalie in Tate Boyce and some other quality talent. You know, I honestly can't see them doing 
nearly as good as they have done the past couple seasons. And while they haven't done anything spectacular, they've been a quiet assassin there in the Big East. Not necessarily winning the big ones, but you know, giving teams like Denver um, a run for their money. You know, the, the, the team I think, you know, I, I'm interested to see. I know a lot of people want to hop on Marquette and say, you know, last year was a down year. They had some disciplinary issues, some locker room problems, and all of that. And Joe Ampo is gone now. And I know a lot of people want to jump on that and say, you know, maybe uh, hitting the reset button in Milwaukee is best. And this team's going to be pretty good this year. Now, I do agree. This team is going to be pretty good this year. But, you know, first year under a new head coach is always iffy. And coming into the season, you never know fully what to expect. Um, So I I would put Marquette and Villanova both in that kind of second tier. And then Providence and St. John's down there at the bottom. Um, I'd, I'd probably even put Providence up in that second tier as well. But maybe on the lower end of the totem pole um, in the conference. Now, Villanova, I think, is the team in this conference that you've got to watch. And I want to go, this is the team I want to go over first. So, I'm going to go with Villanova, Denver, and Georgetown. Villanova, they return Keegan Kahn, who's a junior now at the attack position. Connor Coast, who's now senior at the midfield. Uh, sophomore attackman Matt Campbell. And junior attackman Corey McManus. All of those guys had 30 points or above last season. Keegan Khan had 50, 29 goal, 21 goals, 29 assists. Uh, Patrick Daly, sophomore attackman. Eric Overbay, uh, junior midfielder, both had about 20 points as well. Now, Villanova does lose... A couple key pieces, Joey Ficaro, who he had some injury issues and all of that, uh, but he was pretty solid, and TJ Camizio, who, and when you look at Villanova last year, they probably had the best defensive midfield unit in the country, um, and also I want to mention they do return goalie Will Vitton, who's now just a sophomore on that team. So you at Villanova, there is a lot of youth on the roster. But there's also a lot of guys that were put into um, roles that many young players aren't necessarily put into. And I think that's going to go a long way. Um, Zach Wallenstein at the face-off dot, if you remember, he transferred from Albany a few years ago, 
And then I think the biggest thing for this team, and I mentioned the offensive prowess they have, the offensive talent that this team has is one of the best in the conference. But their defensive midfield unit is one of the best that we're going to see this year. And the addition of graduate transfer Jared Warner, whose brother is Ty Warner, who plays for Whip Snakes and played for Yale, is a big deal for this team. Um, he played at Penn, was very effective for them last season, and now coming into Villanova, you know, bringing his leadership in there as a fifth-year senior, along with his talent, this is a big addition for this team. And while one player alone is not going to make the difference in a team winning a conference or not, Jared Warner is going to make a difference for this team. How big? We don't know. But their defensive midfield unit is certainly one of the best in the country again. And as I mentioned, you know, you have a young goaltender. But you have a pretty experienced, well, a pretty solid defense, especially at the midfield. You have a pretty solid, you have a good mix of young and uh, veteran on presence on the offense, which I think always helps. And this is a team that, you know, when, when you look at what they did last year, you look at some of the games they lost, Penn, Drexel. So here's they lost to overall. Penn State, Penn, Drexel, Maryland, Georgetown, Providence, and Denver. Okay. Penn State was the only game. Penn State and Maryland are the only two games that I would categorize as blowouts. Every other game was at least a five-point game. And was winnable for them. And coming in this year, they have a very similar schedule. Um... They do play Penn State. They do play Yale and Maryland to start off the season. All three of those games are at home. That's going to be a big test for them. And then they're at Hofstra, at Delaware. So two kind of, you know, both those teams are solid. I think Delaware is probably going to win the CAA this year. Um, That's just my personal pick. So it's not like Hofstra and Delaware are bad, but from those three games there, Penn State, Yale, and Maryland to Hofstra and Delaware, that's a pretty decent drop-off in terms of uh, quality of opponent. And then they have the Philly Ford Classic where they play Penn and Drexel. They lost both those games last year. And both pretty close games as well. So, 
this is going to be an interesting year for Villanova. Um, certainly, you'll think they can make some waves, make some headway. Looking at Denver now, like, and again, never count out Bill Tierney. Like, there are two coaches that I ever say this about, at least at the moment. Bill Tierney and John Tillman never count their teams out. They always, they're always going to find a way. Y'all know that. I know that. It doesn't matter. They're going to find a way. And they're going to be good. Yeah, there might be some teams that are better than, than them, but they're going to be pretty good. Um, the biggest thing for me with Denver, like I like Ethan Walker at, you know, at, at attack. I like, you know, they, they lose Austin French, but, I, you know, I like all these younger guys they have in here. The, the one thing for me on attack is like they only return Ethan Walker Austin French graduates, and so does uh, Colin uh, Rotan, or Rutan, however the heck you say it. They have mostly midfielders that contributed last year and not a whole lot of attackmen. Now, Jackson Hanna, I think, is a guy that they could possibly move from midfield to attack just because of his skill set, I don't know what they're going to do there. But, and again, a lot of these younger guys, we haven't really seen them too, too much. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do there. But with just having Ethan Walker as your top turning, uh, top returning scorer, I mean, he had 52 points. The next person was Jackson Hanna with 34. And then you had Austin French, who's now graduated. He had 31. And then Colton Jackson, who's now graduated, had 25. Ellis Geis, who's a freshman last year, sophomore midfielder this year, he had 25 points as well. So it, it's a little sporadic in who was contributing last year. But, I mean, I think Ethan Walker is the, is the right guy to lead this team in the offense. I'm not saying that. But just looking at what they have coming back in terms of what they were able to do last year, it does kind of concern me a bit. Um, I'm also concerned a little bit on defense. You know, their defense was not up to par with what it's been last this the past couple seasons. And again, like I know Trevor Baptiste was not there. And there's a guy coming in that I'll talk about real quick who I'm not saying he's the next Trevor Baptiste or T D Owen or whatever. But I definitely think he's a guy that is going to make a difference. And after seeing him 
in person multiple times. I can tell you it's a pretty much done deal. This kid's going to be assaulted. Um, at the face-off dot, that's Alec Stathakis. Um, out of Culver. He's a Michigan native. Played at Culver. He was an Under Armour All-American. Won 85% at the face-off dot last year. I've seen him in person. What he brings to the table is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So, and like he's a freshman, and I know that jumping from high school to college at the face-off dot isn't always, um, it's never a fluid process, but everyone who's seen him play knows what he can do, and it's going to be interesting to see how he can help this team moving forward on the offense, especially when you have a younger, uh, younger using air quotes here, defense. Um, like on defense, Matt Newfelt, who is an LSM, and also can play close D, he graduates. He was a graduate transfer out of Maryland last year. Dylan Gaines at close defense graduates. Uh, Dylan Johnson at close defense graduates. Danny Logan returns as a senior to kind of be the leader of that defense. So Denver definitely has some question marks on the defensive end, and I just don't know if... Like, I'm sold that Denver's going to make the NCAA tournament. I'm pretty sold on that. Um, or that they're going to have... Not that they're going to make it, but they're going to have the ability to do so. Um, they do have a pretty tough schedule. Um, it, you know, not much different than what it's been in the past. You, know, you, you start with Air Force, you play Duke, which was one of the better games last year, people forget. Uh, you got UNC, they have the face-off classic where they play St. Bonaventure and Cleveland State. They play at Notre Dame, at Ohio State. I think those are the two games non-con that I'm looking at, and Duke. Um, but those two games, back-to-back weekends in March, right before they play Towson um, and then get into Big East play. I think those are two games that we're going to look at and will possibly be key wins because I think both of those teams, while they weren't all that impressive, well, Notre Dame ended up being impressive, but while they weren't maybe what many people remember those two programs to be last year, they're going to be pretty decent in 2020. Moving on to Georgetown here before we, we wrap things up. Um, the, Owen McElroy will be the starter and goal again this year. Um, Chris Brandau, the freshman, uh, freshman from last year, has transferred to Maryland. They will also lose attackman Daniel Bucaro and midfielder Lucas Wittenberg, and attackman Robert Clark. 
they only returned one top five point scorer from last season. Jake Killaway, attackman, had 87 points, 57 goals, 30 assists. Killaway can carry this team. And I think he can do so with that same point. Like, him and Bucaro were the perfect duo last year, the highest scoring duo in the country. Um, and at times, the most effective. Losing Bucaro is definitely a big hit. Losing Wittenberg is definitely a big hit. But I think Kayleigh can carry the load. Um, no pun intended there. They do also return midfielder uh, Massimo Busi uh, and Declan McDermott, who both had 25 points last year. Dylan Watson, who was a freshman attackman last year, had 23 points. So expect him to kind of uh, bump up there to that second attack spot. It's, you know, I, I think Georgetown, you no, know, Kevin Warren. This team, they're going to be fine. I, you know, I see why a lot of people might be skeptical of what they can do just based on their losses. But overall, I think this is going to be a pretty decent team. And if you ask me, I wouldn't be surprised to see them back in the Big East Championship game in 2020 at all. Like, I would not be surprised to see that at all. Um, they have the talent. We might, it might be talent that we haven't seen, um, you know, a whole lot just because of who they've had on the roster the past couple of years. So the talent might not be so familiar but they do definitely have some talent. And um, their schedule is pretty favorable. Um, I think it's a pretty easy non-con schedule. Um, to be honest, I mean, you have Lafayette. You have UMBC, Fairfield, Mount St. Mary's, Bellarmine, Towson, UNC are definitely two big games, as, as is Loyola. And then Utah, we'll see what they do. So I think the schedule is very favorable. I don't know if I can't see them getting in on unless they go undefeated. I cannot see them, which I, I, I can't see happening. You know, I, I think they will lose one of those um, Towson UNC Loyola games. I think they do lose one of those, um, and also you know Mount St Mary's and UMBC. I, I wouldn't necessarily sleep on either of those teams. Um, even though they are maybe considered to be uh, weaker teams on the schedule. I, I, I definitely would not sleep on either of those squads after what they showed last season. So it's going to be an interesting year for Georgetown um, and in the Big East as a whole, where I don't think there's a clear favorite as there has been in the past. I mean, you can argue Denver all you want just because of Bill Tierney, and um, I'm fine with that. You can also argue Georgetown just because 
know, of their track record of, over the past couple of seasons. Um, but I really don't think there's a there's a clear cut favorite here. I think Denver and Georgetown are the top two teams. Villanova is is kind of my dark horse in this conference. Um, I think they can definitely make make some headwaves and you know draw some attention, especially early in the season. Um, but you know, um, and we mentioned they've got to win some of those key non-con games so they want to earn that respect nationally. Now, moving on to the Big Ten. Um, I would never say this in any other sport, but I think the Big Ten's the best. I think the Big Ten's the best conference in the world right now. Because I think they have two teams. Obviously, the Big Ten ACC, it's debatable. Um, I I would probably say the, this year it's probably closer to 50-50 for who's the best confidence in the country this year. Um I think last year you could argue the the past couple years you could argue the Big Ten was the best conference. I don't know if that's you know I know I just said that, but I I don't know if that's a you know surefire fact this year because I think the ACC and Big Ten are more on a level playing field, and not that they that the Big Ten's been so much better than the ACC, but you know Maryland and again Maryland has been very good. Penn State has been rising, and um, I think that's really what brings attention to this. Rutgers had some good runs there. Ohio State made the NCAA uh, championship game against Maryland. It was an all-Big Ten final in 2016. Johns Hopkins is in the conference. They're one of the best programs of all time, as is Maryland. Um Ohio State mentioned that they're good. Penn State's good. Rutgers is decent. Michigan is getting better every year, it seems like. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, as, as we mentioned, the Big Ten last year was Penn State and Maryland. Um, and, and, and John Hopkins entered that um, third spot later on in the season. Um Rutgers and Ohio State and Johns Hopkins, I think, are, again, that kind of second tier. I think Michigan's at the bottom. Now, I will say this. I do think Michigan um, finally gets over the hump. I think they win two, eh, maybe not two Big Ten games, but I think they do. When you look at the talent, they have a lot of young talent, so I think they do do a bit better than they have been. Um, Last year, they had some injuries that, really hurt them early in the season. Um, or else they would have been, had at least a better record. Um, but the Big Ten this year, I think is, it's it's similar to what it was last year. So um, I'm going to go over uh, Maryland first here, then I'll look at Penn State, and I'll just kind of briefly go over some of the other teams. Um, 
But the top two teams in this conference are obviously Maryland and Penn State. Um, Maryland, they lost to Virginia in the NCAA quarterfinals last year. And that, you know, was their first time in a while not making championship weekend. Um, I don't know if that happens again this year, but I think it's possible, depending on who they get picked, uh, depending on who they get matched up with. Um, I think Maryland is a championship weekend team, to be honest. I think Penn State is. The other two teams, I would say, are probably Virginia and Duke um, at this moment. But there's also some other teams that you could argue could be in there as well. I uh, just talked about the Big East. Does Denver make a run? You know? Does Notre Dame possibly make a run? We talked about them last podcast. and Again, I'll, again, just like at the last, last podcast, the end of this podcast, um... <laughs> As we wrap up the Big Ten and go into our uh, mailbag segment, I'll answer some questions that y'all have sent me on uh, email, Twitter, Facebook, all of that. Back to Maryland. Terrapins went 12-5 and last year. They return a chunk of talent. The only real... So they lose lose Dubik and Will Snyder. Those are the only two um, double-digit scorers that they lose. They return midfielder, junior midfielder Logan Wisnowskis had 79 points last year. Jared Bernhardt, senior attackman. Anthony DeMeo, junior attackman. Junior midfielder Bubba Fairman lose Dubik, but they return attackman, sophomore attackman Kyle Long. And again, they have a pretty decent, pretty solid incoming class as well. Ryan Syracuse is a guy that I've seen uh, out of Centennial High School down. In Georgia, an attackman. Uh, I don't know necessarily how much he'll be getting um, in terms of playing time and all of that. Dylan Palinetti out of Ward Melville in New York is another guy that impressed me last season when I when um, I was able to watch him on. Uh, Television at that, I can't remember what it's called, the the Geico Showcase. I mean, they also have a pretty decent goalie coming in as well. Logan McNanny out of the Salisbury School in Connecticut. He was an 
Under Armour All-American. And Maryland, we mentioned um, early on in this podcast, back when looking at the Big East, no Chris Brandau from Georgetown transferred to Maryland. So they're going to have a goalie competition there. Um, Andrew Morris played a bit last year as a sophomore. Uh, Danny Dolan was the starter. He graduates. Cameron Brosh um, was another senior goalie. Didn't really see much action, uh, if if he saw any action at all. Um, he graduates. So the two returners, they have Andrew Morris and Colin Miller, both uh, juniors this year. And you have uh, McNeeny. Uh, Coming in as a freshman. So this is a Maryland team. Pretty solid. Pretty, pretty solid. Uh, they lose Curtis Corley on defense. I think that's probably one of their biggest losses. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm always one that, like, no matter how much Maryland loses, I think there's two programs that really operate like this, that, that come to mind like immediately when I think of Alabama football and the sense of we don't rebuild, we just reload. Maryland and Duke lacrosse like right now comes to mind um, for me. So I think Maryland definitely gets to the tournament. Do they? And it's no question. Um, do they you know win a natty again? I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, I think it's certainly possible. I will say that. Um, personally, they're not my pick right now, but it's certainly possible. Um, looking at the schedule. It's kind of similar to last year. Um, you have you start out with High Point and Richmond. I believe they only had Richmond on the schedule last year. It was probably 2019's. Yes, they played Richmond the second game of the season. They did not play High Point. So they're essentially replacing Bucknell with High Point. Um, and you're replacing – they don't play Colgate this year. I believe they play one less game. Um, something like that this year. Um, they moved Bucknell and Colgate from the schedule, added high point, didn't add anybody else. They play Albany, play Penn, Navy. No, here's the, uh, so here's the schedule right here. This is February. At home versus high point on the 1st. At Richmond on the 8th. Then this is, these are all home games here. Penn, Navy, Notre Dame. That's the end of February. Then you've got Albany and Virginia at home to start March. So March 7th and 13th. They're at UNC on the 21st. And they start uh, Big Ten play. I almost said ACC. Uh, They start Big Ten play March 29th at Penn State. That, and that's a Sunday. That's a Sunday night lacrosse game on the Big Ten Network, 
That is the game to cycle for this team. Obviously, Johns Hopkins is a big game with the rivalry. But Maryland at Penn State is a big one to cycle again this year. So, I mean, I think this team does similarly to what they did last year. I think they're even a bit better than they were last year because the thing that really stuck out with me last season was you had Wisnowskis and Bernhardt with 79 and 78 points. And then there was a 30, almost about a 30-point drop-off from Bernhardt to Anthony DeMeo. And then you had Bubba Fairman, a couple points behind him. And Dubik, who graduates, was about uh, six or seven points behind him. So you didn't have a necessarily cohesive unit. It was cohesive, but it was top-heavy. They've got to kind of flatten that out because I think this is a unit. I love watching Maryland when they play as a unit on, on offense. And when you see that kind of flow go, um, it's really, really good. And I think if they're able to do that, I think they can beat anybody else in the country. Um, now, moving on to Penn State, you had Grant Amet, who I think is going to win the – he's the front runner for the Tarleton right now. He had 125 points last year. Mac O'Keefe had 96. Dylan Folds had 56. Now, I know I just mentioned a 30-point drop-off there that that worried me for um, Maryland. Now, Penn State doesn't necessarily have um, the, the – not that they don't have the depth, but they are more top-heavy in terms of talent overall. And so that's why that doesn't worry me as much about Penn State as it does with Maryland because I feel like Maryland does have a bit more talent depth across the board than Penn State does. And Maryland is a younger team than Penn State. That's another reason why. Um, And I, I think Dylan Folds is the key to this team this Penn State team, because watch the way he plays, watch the things he does for this team. Outstanding. He's going to be a guy to watch this year. Uh, quit on British Columbia native. Watch out for him. Uh, Penn State returns. Glad I met Mac O'Keefe, Dylan Folds. Already mentioned all three of those guys, all three senior attackmen. That is that's one that is a dynamic offense. I do have some questions about the defense with Chris Sabia gone. Um Colby Kinese is a real good goalie. I think this Penn State team reminds me a bit of what Loyola was last year where they didn't really have much on defense outside of their goalie. Um, That worries me a bit with Penn State, 
but Juvaldo Saley, you know, he he can win the faceoffs. And the other question I have with this team, I know a lot of people have kind of, you know, questioned me about this. Like, why would you mention this? But so here's the thing. I understand that when Penn State played Yale last February, Gerardo Saley went about 50% with T.D. Irwin. Okay. I understand that. I understand that he's a good face-off man. I never said he's not good. I said, and I've said before, I, I question his ability to show up consistently that's the key word here, y'all. Consistently in big games. And what I mean by big games, I mean in the NCAA tournament. UMBC, no problem. Loyola, no problem. Yale, ran into a problem. And again, you'd already played this team once this year, so they knew, you know, they already had film on you. So you've got to change things up. And I know, like, phase-off position is not, you're not going to change things up. It's it's not like, you know, you're in football and you're saying, okay, you know, when we played them last, this guy on the, on, on the outside they just matched up one-on-one with him, and he was beating this guy. Let's switch a guy on him, and or, or let's bring the safety down to try to double-team this receiver that's burning us, uh, that burnt us last game. That's not, you can't do that in lacrosse. It's not the same thing. And, and I get that. But what I'm saying is you might want to try to do some different things. And look, he might not need to, Okay. He might not need to. And again, some days you're on. Some days you're not. Um, That's just the the fact of life. Um, But for Penn State to be successful, Gerardo Sarri's got to show up in crunch time. He's got to show up in crunch time for this team. And I'm talking NCAA crunch time, not Big Ten. We're not talking about conference play. He's the best face-off man in the conference. Y'all know it. I know it. He, you know, Yale and Penn are the two teams I'm worried about with this Penn State team. And we're looking at this Penn State um schedule, it's very similar to last year. They start with Lafayette, and they go at Villanova. They they play against St. Joseph's, and then they play Yale on February 22nd. They play Yale at Penn State. I think being at Penn State is gives them a bonus there at the field, the new... Um, I can't remember what it's called at the moment. Oh my gosh. Um, ah, the, it escapes me. Um, but they play Yale and Penn back to back, just like they did last year. Um, I think that's going to be a, 
those two games right there I, are the only two big tests I see for them. Um, they play Cornell in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. Um, big Ten, I see Maryland, and I don't really see another question for Penn State. Now, the and this is going off my uh, 2020 schedule preview I did for them up on lacrossebucket.com. Yale, Penn, Maryland. Those are the three key games for them. This Penn State team has the ability to go undefeated. Yes, there's questions on defense. But offensively, and especially if Gerardo series play at the faceoff dot can help hide some of those uh, defensive woes. This team can go all the way. No question about it. So Maryland, Penn State, obviously no question. Top two teams in the Big Ten. Looking elsewhere in the Big Ten, you know, Joey Epstein... And Cole Williams are now the face of that offense at Hopkins. Kyle Marler is gone. Foley Smith is going to be that third attackman as a, as, as a senior this year. Cole Williams is a senior. Joey Epstein is a sophomore. I'm interested to see what Hopkins is going to be able to do. You know, And I do want to mention this. This is a contract year for... Dave Petramala. I repeat, this is a contract year for Dave Petramala. Do not, I repeat, do not go on any kind of social media or fan page or whatever and talk about Petro's gone. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Dave Petramala will not get fired at Johns Hopkins. If they make the NCAA tournament, he will not get fired. If they miss the NCAA tournament, he will get fired. Possibly. Last year, they had a good run at the end of the season. They beat Maryland twice. They gave Penn State a run for their money. And they lost to Notre Dame in the first round. Got blown out by Notre Dame in the first round, I should add. But from the where they were, they lost two consecutive Ohio State and Penn State back-to-back prior to those two wins to Maryland. And they got blown out by Penn State that first game. They got blown out by uh, Towson. To start the year. This Hopkins team's got to turn it around. I think they I, they certainly have the talent to do so. I think they're the third best team in this conference. Rutgers, I don't see being the Rutgers that we think that we know. Michigan, I think, is a year away from something special. Ohio State. Now, that's a team to watch. Trey McCoy coming back as a senior. 
Jackson Reed is a junior. Jack Myers is a is a sophomore. You lose Jack Jasinski. That's a big loss for y'all. But remember, they started off with a what was it? One, two, three, four, five, six. They started off seven and zero last year. They ended the year one and four. They ended the year after they beat Notre Dame on March twenty third. They lost two straight to Rutgers and Penn State, beat Johns Hopkins, and then lost to Maryland and Michigan. Their first loss to Michigan in program history. They were younger last year. Jackson Jasinski was the leader on this team. And he was the only senior on, on, on offense. And so with the... Justin Anasio also uh, mentioned him at the faceoff dot. This is going to be a team that you're going to have to watch. Like, Ohio State is the team. If there's a team in the Big Ten that can crash the party, it is Ohio State. Josh Coson uh, in goal coming back as a, as, as a junior. Now, when we look at Ohio State's schedule... Pull us up real quick. We look at the schedule. I think it's very favorable in terms of their talent and and all of that. So they start off the year. You have two scrimmages against Marquette and Lafayette. You start off the year with Detroit Mercy, and then you're on the road at Boston U. You're at home against UMass. And you're on the road against Bucknell. Then you have a whole slew of games at home in March. Cornell, Hofstra, Notre Dame, Denver. Notre Dame, Denver are going to be two games that you, you're going to have to watch out for. Cornell can give you some troubles. I don't know um, if they're going to be the Cornell team of 2018. I don't know if they're going to be the 2019 Cornell. I really don't know what we're going to get from that team this year. So that's only why I'm kind of playing them off a bit right now when I'm in preseason when I'm working at these schedules. Now, Ohio State starts their Big Ten. The Big Ten schedule is exactly the same as it was last year. Um, Start with Rutgers. Then you're at home against Penn State. On the road against Maryland. You're at home against Johns Hopkins and Michigan. I think like, like this certainly could be a similar thing for last year where they win all the early season games and then lose a bunch late in the year. That's certainly possible. I think the only two definite losses that I would put on the schedule are Penn State and Maryland. I think they can beat Hopkins. I think they can beat Michigan. I think they can beat Rutgers. And I'm speaking to Big Ten schedule right there. Um, Outside of that, Notre Dame and Denver, you got to win those games. Because 
if the Big East is anything like they were last year, if they do that same little gimmicky stuff they did last year, where they messed with everybody like they always do and crashed the party, Ohio State's got to have a win over Denver. Like, that is a that is a crucial bubble win, in my opinion, looking at it based off what we've seen the past couple of years. So the Big Ten is, is going to be interesting, you know. Penn State, Maryland are obviously the top two teams there, and you kind of have... I, 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 I would, I would uh, categorize it as a blob. Penn State, Maryland, and then a blob of teams, which are Ohio State, Hopkins, and Rutgers, and heck, Michigan. Y'all want to make a run? Go do it. You got a y- lot of young talent. You know, a lot of times young guys, they, 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 they just keep winning, winning, and they don't know any better. Is that going to happen with Michigan this year? I don't know. Certainly could. I would certainly like to see Michigan do good. They've been down for so long since they started that program. It would certainly be nice to see them uh, finally break through in 2020. 